over the past couple of months, we've watched the development, the landfall, and the devastation of some of the most deadly and damaging hurricanes that the southern United States coastline has seen in a long time. We've watched Harvey and Irma and Jose and Nate, and we've watched the devastation in the Caribbean. <clears throat> we watched in Florida as people sandbagged their homes and then headed north trying to get out of the path of Irma. We watched as houses were destroyed. We watched as those folks just tried to, to get away from it. Back on Sunday night, September the 10th, in fact, I preached a sermon. And what the title of it was, was Storms More Deadly Than Hurricanes Irma, Harvey, Andrew, Sandy, Matthew, and Katrina combined. And as we watched in years past, each of those terrible storms hit the coast, it's hard to imagine, as I preached about that evening, how a storm could be any worse. And yet, and yet... There was a storm at one point in time in the history of this planet that was far, far worse than any of those storms. Any of those storms and all of those storms combined. And we talked about it from Genesis chapter 7. Please open up your Bibles to Genesis 7. We talked about the fact that, you know, those storms, they could all go inland. If they could get up through the masses of people on the interstates, they could go inland, these folks could. Yes, their property would be destroyed, but that storm was not going to flood the whole United States. None of them or all of them combined. But there was a storm recorded in Scripture that covered the whole earth. Genesis 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month. On that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. This was not a two day event where floodwaters from one sea came in. And I, in no way do I mean to minimize the devastation and death those storms. That's not my point at all. All I'm saying is that by comparison, this storm is so much more unimaginably worse than any of those hurricanes could have been. Because all the great waters of the deep were broken up and the windows of heaven opened in 40 days and 40 nights. It just came down. In fact, it was so bad as we read verse 17 of the same chapter. It tells us the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth. Not just in one town or two towns or a county, but they greatly increased on the whole earth and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. All the high hills, the mountains, the Rockies, or, or if you want to compare, it would be like the Rockies and the Appalachians, you know, all of the great mountain ranges of the world were covered at that time. All the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits, up, cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. Think of the tallest mountain you know. This storm would have caused the waters to be 15 feet above that mountain. And all the flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, cattle, beasts, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Again, not just one state. All in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life. All that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle 
creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive, and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. They weren't gone three days later. As terrible as it was when those floodwaters came in our past few months or past few years, it was nothing by comparison to this. And you may recall, if you were here for that sermon that I said at the end of it, but as much greater as that storm was than those we have seen, I said there's a storm coming that so far surpasses the damage that even that storm in Noah's day caused as to be unimaginable. So infinitely far worse is this next storm that's coming. We can't even compare it to Noah's. It makes Noah's look like a cloudy day. It is that much worse. See, that storm that is to come is a firestorm. And I want to turn to the beginning of that comparison between the flood of Noah's day and how much worse this firestorm is going to be in 2 Peter chapter 3. That is the text that we will be spending most of the evening in tonight. 2 Peter chapter 3. I want us to look at the beginning of that comparison, again, between the storm of Noah's day, that water flood, and that firestorm that is to come. 2 Peter 3, beginning at verse 1, Peter, some of his last recorded words, writes this, Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully... Forget. They choose to forget this. They choose not to see this. They choose to overlook this. They, they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. They forget that God caused the heavens and the earth that he created them. And they forget that God caused this massive rainstorm of Noah's day to come upon the earth. They forget all that. They forget God's in charge. They forget that God keeps his word. They forget that God's going to do what God said he was going to do. Carries that one step further as he begins to introduce this contrast and this firestorm that's coming in verse 7 when he says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, the same word that created the earth, the same word that caused the earth to be flooded, those, that same earth is now preserved by the same word. They are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. I want you to hold that thought for just a minute and we'll come back to it shortly. I want to establish a timeline. I preached that lesson. Then in last Sunday's bulletin, I had a very timely article by Brother Tom Waycaster as he talked about what was probably the lack of preparation of many of those 50 plus who lost their lives in the recent Las Vegas massacre at the Jason Aldean concert. And then, after that, just over the past week or so, 
We've watched our television screens in abject horror as the California wildfires have consumed thousands and thousands of acres. The California wildfires that have caused the loss of all kinds of lives, buildings, livelihoods, and leave nothing behind but just smoke. We saw a picture on, <clears throat> I believe it was on the Weather Channel, but we saw this picture of somebody that came back to their home and they're just shoveling through cinders like you'd find in the bottom of a, bottom of a stove looking for anything that might be left of their home. Just smoking, smoldering, horrible ruins. Nothing left. And while I by no means, by no means, intend to minimize or marginalize the terrible losses that those people have suffered in those California wildfires, I do not mean to minimize their loss of life or property when I say what I'm about to. But I think we have once again been given just, just the slightest glimpse into that deadly and fiery calamity that is going to so far surpass what's going on in California as to be unthinkable in size and shape. As we talked about how the flood of Noah's day surpassed the storms we're familiar with, we are going to talk tonight about this firestorm that so far surpasses what's going on in California as to be unthinkable. And we see that in our text right here in 2 Peter 3 where he goes on to say this. Let me read verse 7 again. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. <clears throat> That with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering or patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <clears throat> Excuse me. But look at this. But the day of the Lord will come. It's going to happen. We don't know when, but it's going to happen. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Think about that verse. When we are talking about watching the devastation that is going on in California and homes and businesses and all those things going up in smoke, we understand how horrific that is, but do you see how much worse this is going to be? This is talking about the whole earth. There's no place to run. You know, I saw in the news the other day where they're calling in firefighters from a bunch of the, the western states and they're going down there to fight this fire in California. There's going to be no fight in this fire that is coming. This firestorm that's coming, there's going to be no defense. There's going to be no place to go. It doesn't matter how many fire trucks and firemen and... and equipment you call in, the earth and its, its works, the, the very earth itself, it says, is going to be burned up. This day is coming. It is going to be so much worse than anything that's ever been seen on this earth. 
it's going to cause the heavens to pass away with a great noise and the elements, the rocks, the mountains, those mountains that were covered with water in Noah's day, they're going to be burned up. Think about that. We were watching a few mornings ago as there was a man in one of these towns, I forget which one, and he said it was the middle of the night, some of his neighbors were asleep and this fire either changed direction or whatever and started coming down over the hill toward their houses, toward where he lived. And so he, being up, runs next door, wakes his neighbor up who was sound asleep, to get him out of the house because the fire is coming and there's nothing they can, all they can do is run for their lives pretty much. So he wakes his neighbor up, his neighbor and his neighbor's family and they come out and they just make it out of this place and their houses just go up because the fire is there and the heat and all of that. Let me ask you a question. If you were in that position, if you were awake and these forest fires were around and you didn't think they were coming in your direction, but, but it did. And you're awake and think about your neighbor, your neighbor lives across the street, maybe it's an elderly couple, maybe it's a family, and you know they're asleep, there's no lights on in the house, you see this fire coming, would you run next door and tell your neighbor? Would you run next door and tell, you really need to think about that, we all do, I do, would you run next door and do whatever it takes to get your neighbor awake to the fire that is about to consume everything? In 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, it says that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. That means suddenly, unannounced, and without warning. When the day of the Lord comes, when, when God's had enough, and the day of the Lord comes, and the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat... It's going to be an awful, horrible day. It's going to be far worse than anything we have ever seen. And your unsaved friends and neighbors and family members will be asleep to its approach if they are not aware. They need to be aware this fire is coming. Or they will be asleep to its approach as it comes like a thief in the night. It will come in under the cover of darkness of people's minds who are not Christians. You know the Bible says that? It will come in under the cover of darkness of people's minds who are not Christians. Hold your finger here, but let me take you to two proof texts if we would. Would you please turn to 2 Thessalonians, back up a few pages. 2 Thessalonians chapter 5. 2 yeah, that doesn't work, does it? How about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? You wait till I see the guy who typed this. That fire will come under the cover of darkness of people's minds who are not Christians. 2 Thessalonians 5, beginning at verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, in other words, it's all okay, don't worry about it. The Lord's not going to do that, like those scoffers in the first part of 2 Peter 3. That, you know, it, it, God's not going to do that. After all, God's not real. When they say those things, it's okay. 
He says, verse 3, when they say peace and safety, and then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. He's not talking about physical darkness. He's talking about you're not uninformed. You're not unenlightened. You know this is going to happen. This shouldn't be a surprise to you. You're not asleep to this. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. For you're all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. We know it's coming because we trust what God said. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. If this man that, that went next door and woke his friends and neighbors up, maybe, maybe he had gotten a heads up. Maybe he thought the wind would change. Whatever. He was not asleep to the fire's approach. We need to not be asleep to the fact that this fire is coming. We need to watch. We need to not sleep. Not say, ah. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. We're supposed to understand this fire is coming. We're walking in the light. Turn with me back a few more books to Ephesians, and we'll see this one more time. Ephesians chapter 5. Not darkened in our understanding, not asleep to what's going on, not asleep to this firestorm that's coming. Ephesians 5, beginning. Let's try Ephesians 4. Boy, I, must, I got my numbers really crossed up, didn't I? Ephesians 4, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Watch this. In the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. They're asleep to what's going on with God. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. They're blind to it. They're asleep to it. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We're not to be asleep to what's coming. We're to be awake. We're to be watchful. And we're to be warning our friends and neighbors about this firestorm to come. That's what the whole Wednesday night evangelism class is about. Is waking people up to what's coming. One more time. We all know what the greatest commandment is, don't we? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Luke includes four elements. And the second is like it. You shall what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So again, the question... Do we love our friends and neighbors like we ought to, enough to be like the guy on TV who would run over and warn them of this coming wildfire, this wildfire, this firestorm described in 2 Peter 3, where the earth itself is going to melt and, and be dissolved? Do we love our neighbors enough to go warn them now, this fire is coming, and you need to escape it through our Lord Jesus Christ?
I want you to really stop just a minute and let your mind, if you have to close your eyes to do this, that's fine. I want you to stop just a minute and I want you to put everything else aside and I want you to think about some of those pictures and videos you've seen on the coverage of this wildfire in California. I want you to think about some of the destruction and the devastation you've seen. Let your mind be a home video here of what you've seen. Think, really focus for a minute on the destruction those fires have caused. And then I want you to understand that this worldwide whole earth destroying wildfire in 2 Peter is going to be so much worse than that. Because there will be no escape when it comes. And then, and then, I want you to understand that there is an eternal not just the earth itself burning up as if that weren't enough, but there is an eternal, forever fire. A soul burning wildfire that is going to be so much worse still yet beyond what this one's going to be that's going to consume the whole earth. It is going to be so much worse than even that that you cannot begin to get your mind around it. It will be an eternal fire. It will be a never-ending fire. It will be an ever-scorching fire. It will be a fire the likes of which are incomprehensible. As if it's not incomprehensible enough that the earth is going to be dissolved. This is going to be so much worse. I want you to just listen. Just listen to some of the things that Jesus said about that eternal fire. Listen. In Matthew 13, verses 40 through 42, he says, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. And there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. This will happen according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 7 through 10 when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints. This is going to be a day when he says to so many, according to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And they will then, according to Revelation 14, 10 and 11, drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and their, the smoke of their eternal torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day or night. Isn't that a horrible picture? 
There is no destruction in your mind that you have seen or ever will see or can fathom that is going to be as awful as that is. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever. Most things in this life that are bad, you know they're going to end. You know, you got you got this uh, root canal or whatever it is. You got this terrible day coming up, this terrible, awful thing. You know that at some point it's going to be behind you. Even if it's this terrible thing the doctor says, you know, even dying and going home to be with the Lord, you know it's going to come to an end. This fire is not going to end. Jesus said it's forever. And you know what the stubble is that causes it to keep burning? You know what the stubble is that fuels the fire? You know what it is? It's sin. Turn to me in your Bibles to Mark 9. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. The stubble that keeps it burning is sin. Mark chapter 9, verse 43. Jesus himself said, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be. It's never going to stop. It is unending. It is eternal. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. What is Jesus trying to get across? If there is something in your life that's causing you to sin, it doesn't matter what it is, get rid of it. Because it is better to lose whatever that is and enter heaven without it than it is to go to this awful place that is fueled by continual, chosen, willful sin. Get that out of your life. With this in mind, we go back to 2 Peter and conclude the chapter. Back to 2 Peter where we were. As I said, 2 Peter 3 is most of this evening's lesson. After talking about in 2 Peter 3.10 how the day of the Lord will come in a, as a thief in the night and it's all going to be burned up. And after what I just said to us about getting rid of sin, he says basically the same thing in verse 11 of 2 Peter 3 as we continue. He says, therefore, since all these things, everything you see, the mountains, the rocks, everything you see, since all these things will be dissolved do you ever take like a little antacid pill and put it in water and it just dissolves? It's just, it's just, it's gone, right? It's just not there anymore. That's what he's talking about with the whole earth. The whole earth. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? 
looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. He says when that day comes, you've got to make sure... That you're not living a life that causes this fire to have new life because sin is the stubble that causes it to burn. Therefore, you need to be holy and Christ-like. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. You see, this verse, I'm sorry, this chapter... All the way from about verse 11 to the end is all about getting to know Jesus. Getting cleaned up. Get, repenting. Turning your heart and your life to Christ. And then being immersed in the waters of baptism so that your sins can be forgiven. And then focusing on that big day and preparing for it. Like we talked about this morning. He's trying to get these people to focus on the fact, this is kind of the other side of things, he's trying to get them to focus on the fact that that day is not going to be a blessing unless you're right. This morning we talked about when you're right, that day is going to be such an incredible blessing, and that's, that's right. When you're in Christ, when you're, when you're trying to be Christ-like, and you've gotten to know Him, you've accepted His proposal, but tonight, he's talking to these people and he's letting them know that if they aren't prepared for that day, what's coming? But he says... To these Christians, therefore, make sure you're doing what you ought to be doing according to God. Because this fire is going to be awful. Therefore, verse 14, beloved, looking forward to these things, looking forward to this, this newness and the new heaven, new earth, all of that that means. He says, looking forward to these things. Be diligent. In other words, keep being in a state of preparedness. Be ready. To be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. And what he means by that is, you know, sometimes people will say, Man, I just I wonder why the Lord hasn't come back. I can tell you why the Lord hasn't come back yet. He's already told us in verse 9. The Lord is long suffering, he's patient, he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants the last person who will possibly repent and come to him to be saved. That's why he hasn't come back yet. The Lord is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He's long-suffering, verse 15. Consider this long-suffering of our Lord is salvation is also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of the scriptures. People who want to twist the scriptures and say things that aren't there and they've got their own agenda and their own power trip and, and just going by what they think and feel rather than what the scriptures say. He said they're twisting the scriptures. But you, verse 17, you, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. When he says in verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, is he just talking to new Christians? Is he just talking to new Christians? This means yes, this means no. Is he just talking to new Christians? No. Is he talking to people who've been Christians for 20 years? Just them. Is he talking to just people who've been Christians for 22 years and 17 days? 
No. Who's he talking to? Everybody. We need to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. We need to continue, like I said this morning, after Katie accepted the proposal and she continued to prepare and she was consumed with preparing, we need to continually grow and learn and study what's in the book so that people don't mislead us and say, hey, don't worry about it, there's no fire coming, you're good. We cannot survive that fire. Make sure you understand, what the, not what Doug said, not what the televangelist said, not what the preacher at the Church of Christ or this other, what God said. Grow in the grace, keep growing, don't stop. Keep preparing, don't stop. Keep being consumed with preparation for that day, don't stop. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Folks, yeah, you uh, go ahead, I'll wait. Go ahead and close your Bibles. I don't want you to miss this. I know several years ago when Alex preached here when I was gone, he said, people lose a lot of the sermon because you get ready for the wrap-up and they all just get consumed with putting their Bibles away and they miss the point. Okay, put your Bible away, I'll wait. This is why it is so critical that we study and that we learn and that we grow at every opportunity we have. There's a lot of people going to tell you that's not going to happen. God loves everybody. Don't worry about it. This, that, one thing. God does love everybody, but God said that's going to happen. This is why it's so critical that we spend our time and effort whenever we can learning and growing in what God said. This is why, you know, what's going to happen in this town in a few weeks at some of the churches around here when they bring in, you know, games, gimmicks, clowns, and cowboys, you know? What a waste of time that is supposed to be time spent studying God's Word. Cowboys can't save you, and I don't care if we're talking Dallas OSU or the guy down the street. Okay? Games and face painting and sitting on hay bales to, to have a worship, that can't save you. The only thing that can save you is learning, why are we fooling around? Why are people fooling around with all this foolishness? When people come to church, it's not about who has the best looking building, who has the best nursery, who has the best youth group activities. That's not going to save us from the fire. The only thing that's going to save us from the fire is growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we don't do a lot of drama and skits and stuff like that. This is too important to waste time doing that. What does he say? The world will be saved through what? Preaching. Coming to church is not about allowing people to worship any way they want. Oh, I can, you know, play a fiddle, so let's have a fiddle in worship service. It's not about entertainment. It's not about activities. What is it about? Folks, there's a fire coming. And the words of this book are the only thing that is going to save us from being part of the fodder in that fire. This is it. This is why when we come together, we study, we preach lessons that are full of God's Word. The church is not about those earthly momentary things like entertainment and drama and skits and all of that other stuff. It is about learning and growing and making sure that we are fully prepared and on our way evacuating sin so that we can escape the eternal flames by being in Christ Jesus our Lord. If there's anybody here tonight who has never put on Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, 
If there's anybody sitting here tonight who has done that, but you're not 100% sure if the doctor should say tomorrow, you've got a week to live, and you get all scared and worried because you're not ready, you're not right with God, if you're in that condition tonight, why not get right? You can do it right now. The church will pray with you, we'll study with you, we will baptize you for the forgiveness of your sins. Are you ready? If you are not ready and need to respond tonight in order to get ready, please come to the front while we stand and while we sing.